0: is and what he is like as a strong tower and it's a refuge and also as you sing that song that's what that's what we're singing about we pick things up in uh, genesis chapter 3 this evening with uh, in the middle of satan's temptation of eve and uh, we kind of pick it up in verse 5 but maybe a little bit of a, a recap here on on it so we can get our bearings uh... related to this Uh, chapter three is a pivotal chapter uh... in the bible uh... without understanding what is contained in there and that is namely the fall of man we wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of all that uh we see in the world around us or the inclinations in our own heart toward uh toward sin and toward what is bad. And uh because if you were to look at chapter two, everything is created, it is very good in God's estimation and all. And then we turn to chapter four and we've got the first murder and everything is downhill from there and you say, what in the world happened? The fall of man is what happened. And uh the, and this world doesn't make any sense to anyone. Apart from the understanding of the fall. And the fall is where the devil comes. He takes the form of a serpent and uh probably possesses a serpent in, in its original uh form there in the garden, comes to Eve, begins to tempt her and his Uh, temptation is a series of temptations that he's probing, he's probing, and that's how the devil uh, operates. He tries one thing, he builds a bridge a little bit, gets a dialogue going, this kind of thing, and and he's probing for weakness or opportunity, uh, and and he keeps moving with it. And the first temptation that he brings against uh, Eve there is he plants doubt in uh, in verse 1, plants doubt in her mind related to the word of God. God. Uh, Eve responds biblically to the temptation uh, of of the devil. She quotes the scriptures in, in a way that is close enough that pleases uh, God related to it. He he can't. That temptation doesn't uh, gain any real traction for him at that point, and so. He then takes and follows it with a second uh, temptation in verse 4 where the serpent just flatly tells the woman, you will surely not die. He becomes very bold here, says that what God has said and what will happen are two entirely different things. God is a liar. Now Satan is very, very subtle and uh, and he knows that even he, he's moved from subtlety now at this point with, by calling God and his word a liar, so he doesn't allow this temptation where he says to Eve you will surely not die to just hang out there on its own so that Eve just looks and goes wow I guess I got to choose between God and the devil in this thing you know I mean the answer is too obvious there so Satan is is interesting he does something very very clever here he immediately follows his denial of the truthfulness uh, of of the word of God moves very quickly to his next uh, device doesn't even give Eve room uh, to respond or, uh, or to think about what he said. Verse 5, the third uh, element of his temptation, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your, uh, your eyes will be open, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. So he takes and, uh, and, and comes in with a third temptation here on, on this. And basically what he's saying to Eve here in the temptation is to, he, he's trying to get her to doubt the goodness of God. You're obeying God. He's given his commandment here. But God's kind of jealous about, you know, what it means to be God and what he knows and all of these kinds of things. And, and you're, just, you're just being a sucker Obeying Him in this, and and obeying God's commandment commandments is going to keep you from really experiencing what you are supposed to experience in life. In other words, you are missing out on life if you follow God. So He cast doubt on the goodness of God and the motivation of God behind His commandments. The motivation behind every single one of God's commandments is our good we don't miss a single good thing in life by obeying him not one good thing if a person child is born into the world in a christian family raised in the things of the lord never wavers from the lord the entirety of their life then goes home to heaven by obeying the lord all through their life if that characterizes their life they will not have missed one good thing in life all they will have missed is regret and pain and, and uh, sin and addiction and darkness and, and all of this. But the devil's very, very effective with this temptation. And uh, I won't have you show you. Well, maybe I will. But anyway, we'll see. see. I have options up here. I don't know that you'll cooperate. But have you ever had the devil come to you and give you the idea, sometimes early in our Christian walk, that in walking with him, Especially uh, sometimes if we don't come out of great darkness when we come to know the Lord. Having to experience the bondage of sin and these things. And he comes with that device and says, you're going to walk with God, you're going to miss everything. You are never, ever going to reach your full potential by walking faithfully to God. I think about uh, so many of the, um, uh, you know, rock and roll stars of, of, you know, they'd be the oldie stars now on things. But you you think about how many of these people came out of church choirs. That's where their talent was used initially, a God-given talent. I mean, you... you I, you, you take in terms of just unbelievable vocal ability. You take Aretha Franklin. I mean, wow! What a set of pipes God gave her. Just incredible. And and her and so many. I mean, just started right in the church doing this for the Lord. But somehow, in their mind, the devil comes against them. I'm not talking against her specifically, but he does the same thing with us. Comes in and says, "What you have." I mean, if you don't take that out into the world, if you just stay using that as a, as a gift for God, you're going to waste that gift. How many of you have been tempted that way? Just show your hands. Good, I'm not alone. Anybody else? Six of us. Praise the Lord. I'll try and get traction on some other things a little bit later, in a in little better traction. But that's what he does. Comes in. It doesn't have to be the entertainment field, it can be in the arts. Uh, it, it can be in business, it can be in sales, it can be in a lot of different ways. Where it looks like, okay, you're going to obey God, going to obey His way. You're not going to amount to anything. You've got a gift, you've got something special, and you're just going to waste it by being obedient to the Lord. And, and so he cast doubt on, on the goodness uh, of, of uh, God. And, and it's very, very effective. God is holding you back from good things in your life. And He whispers that all of the time to people in, in a thousand different voices in the course of, of a lifetime. I just would ask, is there anyone in this room that's over the age of 50 and you've walked with the Lord for longer than 20 years? Do you have any regret over having walked with Him? Any regret over what you've missed in life by walking with Him? No, it's a blessing. It's a blessing where walking with Him protects us from... It isn't that sin isn't appealing to us or any of these kinds of things or that we can't be tempted by it, but I am to know as a child of God, I am not missing out on anything by walking faithful to the Lord, except regret, except the bondage of sin, the addiction of sin, the darkness, and, and all of, of uh, those kinds of things. Now notice, um, uh, the, the, then the woman in verse 6, When she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant for the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, then she takes of the fruit and she eats. And so at this point, what does she fail to do? She fails to do what she did the first time, and that is to respond to the lie of the devil with the word of God. She's going to assess... The situation now, independent of the Word of God, she's going to assess it through a different means. Now before we get to that, I want you to notice a couple of other things about the devil's temptation uh, of Eve here. Because it's a part of his devices, devices that we're to recognize so we don't fall prey to those uh, ourselves. Would you notice that the devil is very, very successful with Eve in getting her to put her focus on the one thing that God has prohibited uh, her from partaking of in in that garden he says of all of the trees in the garden you may freely eat I don't know how many trees there are thousands of trees I mean you, all of them as much as you want freely you can eat and what does the devil he comes in and he puts her focus on the one tree she can't have I mean and, and, and the devil is so good at that just coming along and 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 here we have so many blessings in christ so many directions that we can go in so much freedom so much liberty and then he pops on the scene and then just tries to get us to obsess about the one thing that god uh, denies uh, us of uh, for for uh, uh our our good you notice also that the devil catches eve alone that didn't just happen but he didn't just say, wow, how lucky can a, a serpent get? I caught her alone, you know, here in the garden, away from Adam. That, that was by design. And he, he catches her alone, away from, from Adam, away from uh, fellowship. And so he waits until he can attack her alone. It is comparatively effortless for the devil to make chopped liver out of Christians, uh, if he can catch us alone. Versus uh, when he attempts to tempt us, uh, when we are in fellowship and united with other Christians. That's why the Bible says, as Christians, we are not to forsake the assembling together of the saints. We need each other. When Jesus sent the disciples out to minister, he sent them out in twos. He knew what he was doing. It's much harder for the devil to to cause two to fall that know and and love the Lord and understand the things of the Lord than one. I mean, if if he had come to both Adam and Eve at the same time, his job would have been considerably harder. Because all one of those people has to do is just pipe up and say, Hey, wait a second, that's not what God's Word says. We shouldn't do that. Hold on, you know that's a lie. And all, all one of them has to do is just be, you know, clicking on three of the four cylinders to 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 make the whole attack uh, 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 ineffective. But if he can catch us alone, then then he has an opportunity to be far more. Uh, effective. We need to be in fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. You get out there and you get separated, and that's the... The devil is so uh, weird uh, uh, about... it. Just He loves to get Christians separated from the rest of the body of Christ out of their condemnation for their sin or out of their own pride. They can, you know, make it... Uh, you know, other Christians need fellowship, but, you know, I don't and that kind of thing. And then all he does is he just gets one of those little, bibs from Red Lobster and he just kind of puts it right there and gets the wipes ready and he's going to have dinner whenever he wants to have it. It's effortless for him. Then notice also that he tempts her and catches her when she's near the tree. She's within eyesight of of that tree. What in the world is Eve doing near that tree? It's like, girl! (laughs) You know, kind of a thing. I mean, how easy are you going to make this for the devil? She's separated here from Adam in the place, and she parks right underneath the one tree that is prohibited. And I mean, and, and she, I mean the temptation doesn't even uh, approach her. She goes to the temptation. No one can hope to stand. Against the devices of the enemy if I take and I park myself right in front of the one prohibition that God has given me or the one, two, three, or four uh, Prohibitions that God has given concerning the thing that is most dangerous to my walk with the Lord And we all have things that are of particular danger to us, though everything can be So we take heed when we think we stand, lest we we fall. She makes Satan's uh, job very easy for him by, by just camping right next to the, the thing of temptation. I hope our homes are safe places from temptation. I hope our daily lives are set up in a way where we give a, a very uh, wide berth and, and margin between us and our areas of temptation and the things that God has prohibited. Uh, for us to be engaged in. This is very, very unwise on her part. And she falls straight into the devil's trap as it relates to that. There's a great prayer that I remember hearing about many years ago uh, for a holy life, and it goes something like this. Lord, don't let the opportunity to sin and the temptation to sin coincide. Don't let them come together. But we play a place in that. And she takes and, and she makes it very, very easy for the temptation to sin and the opportunity to sin to happen right at one time in order to cause uh, her to fall or tempt her to fall. She makes that decision on, on her own. So in verse 6, she um, instead of dealing with the temptation on the basis of the word of God uh, she uh, uh, deals with it in three particular ways she's going she's to take this temptation of the devil and she's going to in essence uh, whether she realizes it or not she said alright I'm going to jettison God's word even though it was effective the first time in, in dealing with the devil's lie I'm going to jettison God's word and I'm just going to go ahead and, and uh, process his lie on the basis of What what I have in the natural And, And her response should have been To this temptation You shall surely not die And then casting doubt on the goodness of God She should have just responded with the word of God Just like Jesus did and then that would have been the end of, of the, the temptation and all. And uh, we'd be in a very different room uh, here tonight in a very different world. But she takes uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, lays it down on the ground. Now she thinks she's going to deal with temptation. There's a, a better way than the Word of God. So when the woman saw that, that the tree was good for food, she saw that the, the uh, tree was good for food, this is, this is how she begins to process the temptation. She allowed herself to be led by her body appetites. So she, she looks at that tree and she begins to weigh right and wrong, good and bad, obedient and disobedient, on the basis of physical pleasure. That's more important to her now than what does God's Word say and obeying God. So she makes a decision on what she's going to do here based upon what her body tells her to do. Oh my, that's a disaster, you know. And, and so what is it that's going to be the most physically pleasurable and all? And the Bible teaches that sin is pleasurable for a season. and The season is very, very short. And it's immediately followed by deep regret in most cases Certainly for anyone that loves the Lord it doesn't make the, There's no way the pleasure of sin is, is, is worth uh, what, what follows that sin And a person that... That loves uh, the Lord So she's going to, she looks at it and says Okay, what what is it here That will be the most physically pleasurable For me, rather than Saying, what does the word of God Say about this, and then notice She saw that it was uh, pleasant uh, To the eyes She allowed herself to be led by her Eyes, she's going to determine Right and wrong, good and bad, obedient Disobedient, on what is pleasing To her sight, rather than based Upon the word of God, I'll let my eyes lead me in, in this decision rather than the word of God. It's a disaster. And then notice she saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise. In her pride in this situation, she convinces herself that there is a wisdom in this world that is greater than God's wisdom. And she believes that she is the possessor of a wisdom that is greater than God's wisdom. So, uh, the devil has planted the seed doubt uh, of, of doubt related to the goodness of God. yeah, God does look like a big square. God does look like he doesn't know what 's going on and everything. Maybe we are smarter than him about these things and all, and, and she convinces herself that god 's out of touch, he doesn 't know he isn't the smartest one in the whole universe. I think I can bring a little something to this game too, you know, and now she 's going to make a decision here concerning her life. Uh, on, on the basis of of that that she has the potential to be wiser than than god and so she allowed herself to be led by her own thinking and uh, and all that's going to be she's going to decide what's right and wrong again good and bad and and all of these things on the basis of what she thinks and not on the basis of the word of god this goes on all of the time of course people f- fall prey to to the devil's device rather than saying what does the Bible say God is so smart God is so smart one of my favorite things that Jesus said was wisdom is justified by her children there's so many voices out in the world today claiming to be wise and smarter than God I mean how many people are claiming anybody that says something contrary to the Word of God is claiming just overtly that they're smarter than God but don't, you, what you've got to do is got to look at the people that are on that path, not five minutes from when they get on that path. Look at someone that's been on that path for a year. Look at someone that's been on that path for five years or 20 years or 40 years and then make your decision about getting on that path. Number one, by the Word of God. But you look at the fruit that a particular idea or man's wisdom produces and then look at what happens to a child of God. When somebody comes to know the Lord and they get on the path of obedience to God's word, look at the quality of life that's produced. Not just 30 days out, but three years out, 10 years out, 30 years out. What happens to the person on that path? I mean, their life becomes greater and greater and greater and more blessed. Wisdom is justified by the kind of person that it produces. And our wisdom does not produce a good person in this world. God's wisdom produces a, a, a great life. And so she thinks that she's smarter than God now. There's a wisdom that's greater than His. And she just happens to possess it. And uh, that's, that's her pride. And, satan loves to manipulate pride he's very familiar with it since that's what's caused him to fall and of course all of this leads to uh, a, a disaster uh, in in her life and I, I think as john puts all of this together in in, uh, in verse six in the new testament concerning the temptation he said in first john chapter 2 verse 16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh deciding What I'm going to do right and wrong on the basis of my body appetites, the lust of the eyes, allowing myself to be led by my eyes, the pride of life, thinking that I'm smarter than God, and the Word of God is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so when John writes that, he's thinking all the way back to the original sin with Eve there in the garden. And nothing has changed related to Satan's uh, devices. It's the same thing. Live for your body, not for God. Live for your eyes, not for God. You know more than God about life and about how it's to be lived. Disregard His, com- His commandments. Don't even, you know, give them a second thought. You're smarter than that. And, and whenever your definition of right and wrong and what you should do violates the Word of God, then just know God's always wrong and you're right. Go with that. <laughs> And it always ends in disaster. And what's the defense? It is written, it is written, it is written. Now people look at Christians, sometimes in the world, not all people. They think we're about the stupidest people on the planet. Maybe if we give them good cause sometimes. Look at those simpletons. Believing the word of God letting God do all their thinking for them. Oh, how they're missing out on life and all of the great and high and deep experiences in life and all of that. And they just look at someone who would look and say and and live their life so simply as to look at every circumstance in life and say, what does God's word say about this? And that's what I'm going to do. It's just some kind of a horrible life that could be lived. That we're just some kind of, unthinking, uncreative idiots related to all all of this. But it's the greatest life. And I'll tell you, I, I just am so thankful to be in that number, no matter what the world thinks of me, or what the world thinks of you, to be able to look and say, I am so, I don't care who thinks what, That I'm numbered among a group of people in this world that looks and says, what does the Bible say? That's the definition of right and wrong. That's what's good and bad. That's what's good and bad as it relates to people. And then to do that is wonderful. It's wonderful. And not to do so as pride and Eve ends up getting messed up because of uh, her pride in all of this, and so what does she do? She takes and she took of the fruit and she ate it, so she 's the first one to do this, and then she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate so she 's not much of a helpmate uh, at this particular point in time and things. Now, the interesting thing, the commentary in the New Testament related to this uh, whole issue is given to us in first Timothy chapter two, verse fourteen. And that is, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Eve was deceived. She believed the lie and, and that, that the devil told her. She, she fell for that. We're told in the New Testament that when Adam ate, he ate out of willful disobedience. He saw through the lie. He was not deceived in the situation. He was willfully disobedient and, and, uh, uh, to, to the Word uh, of, of God. Now, sometimes people uh, take a guess at, you know, what the particular fruit is that Adam and Eve ate there. And some, most often people say, well, you know, they ate the apple there in the Garden of Eden. We don't know that. The fruit is isn't identified there, and uh, and it wasn't the apple. It wasn't so much the fruit. It was the fruit was just an opportunity to either obey God or disobey God, and, and thus making my obedience um, valuable and meaningful to God. So it didn't have anything to do with the fruit. It, it was the disobedience. That's what the fall is all about: the disobedience to God's uh, commandment. This. Now notice the consequences of all of this, and there are always consequences to sin, but the devil devil never tells you that, does he? (laughs) Never comes along and says, listen, this is is what you need to do. God's holding out on you and everything. He's just a liar and all this kind of stuff and everything, and you do this. And by the way, you're going to introduce, I mean, just the... If, if 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 you thought what I introduced into the spiritual realm with my rebellion uh, was terrible it won 't even be able to you know hold a candle to what you 're going to introduce into the human condition it 's going to be a disaster. He never tells us the consequences ahead of time that 's why I think so much of what 's in the entertainment or music or uh, so many books so often and these kinds of things is they uh, you know play up the pleasures of sin, but then the irresponsibility of not showing. Uh, the consequences of sin But it's the devil at work And he never ever lays out the consequences And here are the consequences Verse 7 And then the eyes of both of them Adam and Eve were opened And, and so something did happen As a result of it And they knew that they were naked And uh, they sewed fig leaves together And they made themselves covering And the first consequence Of their sin that they became aware of Occurred between Adam and Eve themselves They knew shame for the first time and their relationship with one another They became aware of their their nakedness there's a loss of innocence now and in all of this and and they begin to try and hide their nakedness so everything starts to get really complicated now between men and women and and they feel shame here is, is the first thing and they heard verse eight the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and uh, his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, so the, so the second great consequence here is found in those two words hid themselves, and they, they began uh, they felt a need to hide themselves uh, from God as a result of the fall. The devil is so so dirty; he really is because he takes and he tempts them, but it 's something he does with us too, where he tempts them to sin. And then after we sin, if we fall for the temptation, then he tries to convince us that the solution to that sin is to hide ourselves from God, to distance ourselves from God, rather than coming clean related to the thing, I sinned, I disobeyed you, I confess that, I repent of that. Now what do you want me to do with this, God? And, and so he comes in, uses the condemnation to pull us away, push us away from God. And so they hide themselves now from God. And so the Lord, verse 10 said, I heard your vo- uh, and Adam said to the Lord, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The third consequence was uh, fear. In a relationship with God all these things are said immediately I mean within however many minutes or hours or whatever these are sensations and feelings they had never ever known before in in their whole uh, lives now I I think one of the saddest verses in, in, in sentences in, in the whole Bible is when the Lord in verse 9 calls out to Adam and said where are you where are you and here he is in the cool of the evening and somehow I mean there's a mystery that surrounds all of this as he comes to fellowship with them to commune with them and, and all of that and now for the first time they don't come uh, you know maybe running out to him the way that little kids do when dad comes home or, or mom and uh, something's changed now in all of this And for the first time he has to ask where where are they he doesn't ask that because he doesn't know he's given them room now to confess and to do the right thing but something has changed for him i think that when we think of the fall of man in the garden of eden we almost always think of the consequences that man uh... has paid because of that fall and we forget the price that God has paid in his heart toward man because of that fall, that separation. He, he created man. He created us for relationship with him. And, uh, and now all of that has been just hijacked and, and spoiled here. And he's going to have to bring a plan to bear on all of this. But I think about the heart of God. I really feel sad for him in, in all of this, as much as you can feel sad for God. But I, I have a, 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 you know, a sense for the, the, his, his heart being broken in all of this. And then God said, verse 11, uh, to Adam, Who told you that you were naked? This is new. <laughs> you know. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So now this is where a blame shifting comes uh, from, the, right from the Garden of Eden after the fall. So, Adam, basically what Adam is saying is, Yeah, I did it, but it's not my fault. How many times has that been said a hundred different ways throughout human history? Yeah, I did that, but listen, it's a little more complicated than that. Remember that woman that you created? I mean, things were going perfectly fine, weren't they, prior to that? Naming animals and all that kind of stuff. Sure, I was a little bit lonely and all, but you remember that was your idea. To bring her to me and all, and, and uh, the woman you gave me I mean, she 's the one that, uh, that gave of me of the tree, and, and I and Adam, is he is a master at excuses, because what he's doing here is he's not just blaming Eve, and if you don't think this brings some tension into a marriage So he's not only blaming Eve, he's blaming God. Eve did it, and you created her. He puts, he puts himself two people removed from the responsibility here in one sentence. God, listen. I, you and Eve got some things to work out here related to this whole thing and, and all. I'm going to go over here and get a coat. And uh, you call me when you get that all all figured out, and tell me how I was such a victim in the situation. It's not going to work out that way. But but it, that whole blaming is it's so ugly, and I, and I can I'm so prone to it. And and then and then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you have done?" And the woman said, "The serpent deceived me, and I ate." And so. Eve now blames the devil uh, for the deception. I think many of you are old enough to remember uh, the Flip Wilson show and uh, remember him as a comedian. I don't recommend him, but uh, he had that whole thing of talking about the devil made me do it and, and all of that kind of thing. Now there's a problem, is she was tempted by the devil, but the devil didn't make her do it. The devil cannot make a child of God do anything. He can tempt us to do something, but he can't make us do anything. So she's blame shifting too here on on all of this. Now notice then, God said to the, uh, then then God in verse 14, he begins to kind of lay down the law, the consequences for their disobedience here. You notice that he doesn't confront the devil uh, over this. Because the devil isn't going to shift any blame at all. The devil's proud of what he's done. He's happy with what he's done. <laughs> there's no explaining. He's not going to apologize for anything. This is what he does to human lives to destroy and to ruin and all of that. There's no sense in interrogating him. He's pleased with himself over what he's been able to accomplish. But the, but the Lord starts with the devil and talking about the consequences of of this uh, sin and his place in that sin. For the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And so it would seem like the Lord kind of puts a curse upon uh, the serpent itself, the vehicle that the devil used for the temptation. Again, as I mentioned last week, there are many who believe that that uh, In the light of some of these descriptions that the devil uh, that the serpent walked upright, some believe they even flew in the original creation, and now, uh, as a result of, of of being used by the devil in this way, now they slither on their belly close to the earth, and so the next time you see a snake and, and it 's just slithering there on its belly, and all you can realize it testifies to the account of of the book of of Genesis and then now specifically toward the devil himself God said I will put enmity enmity is is a word that's kind of the opposite of love in the Old Testament it means the ultimate in hostility and hatred I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed who are the devil's seed fallen fallen angels demons also people that follow the devil and, uh, and the Antichrist and all these these kinds of, of things. I, I will put enmity between you uh, and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, speaking of the seed of the woman, uh, shall bruise, literally crush, in the Hebrew, your head and you shall bruise or literally crush his uh, heel. And And so here at the... Uh, uh, The site of the greatest failure in in human history God declares that the seed of, of the woman that Satan tempted Is one day going to rise up and crush Satan's authority In other words, God is saying to the devil here Listen, you won this battle But you will lose this war Because I will take through a male child that I will bring through the lineage of this very same woman she will be the, this man will be the seed of a woman speaking of this virgin birth women don't bring seed to the reproductive process they bring eggs to that man brings the seed this is speaking of a supernatural virgin birth and God is saying to Satan in effect you won this battle but The one that I bring from this woman that you deceived is one day going to crush your authority. He will come onto the scene and he will not only undo all the damage that you have brought into the human condition through this particular temptation, but he will crush your authority even in the spiritual realm, the angelic realm. And In other words, you're through when this guy shows up. And God said, "You did the one thing, but i 'm going to use him to clean up two big messes that that you 've created in my creation, one associated with man, one associated with with the satan 's uh, original uh, Rebellion uh, against God. You notice that her seed, the seed of the woman, is immediately referred to uh, as a he, fulfilled in Jesus coming into the world. Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said, But when the fullness of time uh, had uh, come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, uh, born under the law. And Jesus came, and when he came, he crushed uh, Satan's authority. And, and that authority and, and the manifestation, the fullness of that is, is going to continue to play out into the future until he's a footnote in history and an eternal lake of, of fire. God said, you'll bruise his heel, you'll crush his heel. And you remember Jesus is on the cross and the nails are driven through his hands and his feet and, and all. And as he's hanging on the cross, I mean, Satan just has to be so excited over the fact that he has not only whipped Adam and Eve in the garden, but now he has whipped the seed of a woman, the promised seed, and then she dies, and he dies on the cross and all. Three days later, he rises from the dead, and Satan's authority was crushed through Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. To cr- A crushed head, that, that just spoke of a fatal blow. Satan has, has been dealt a fatal blow through the death, the burial, and the resurrection uh, of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so, you, you, sometimes we wonder, why in the world does the devil work so hard uh, to discredit Genesis? Why not Leviticus? <laughs> why not Nehemiah? Why does he pound on Genesis and the culture and in the world to try and discredit it before people? Number one, because it exposes his devices. He's exposed by the book of Genesis. And number two, it exposes the means by which his authority is crushed in a human life. And that is through the seed of a woman. And he wants that to be kept as a secret from the population of the world. And so he fights to discredit the book of Genesis. It's not about six days or ages or this or that with the devil. This is what he wants to keep a secret from human beings. This is what he does not want them to know about him and to believe about the seed of the woman and what jesus has done to him notice the consequences in verse 16 uh, on the woman and to the woman uh, the lord said i will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children so apparently prior to the fall uh, childbearing was intended uh, to be uh, was actually not intended it was it was going to be painless uh, it's only through the fall that there's pain involved in, in childbearing. I don't know how all that works or anything like that, for how it to be pains. I know one thing is true uh, that, it, that it isn't. is the, the one televangelist that spoke about the fact they got a vision or a word or knowledge from God or something like that, that prior to the fall, women gave birth to babies out from under their arm. Wow. <laughs> how was the... Ultima burrito before you went to bed, sir. I mean, come on. You say that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. Listen, when God is silent, it's best to be silent about it. We don't need to know so he doesn't uh, tell us. Everybody knows. It was out of the side of her leg. So child uh, birth pain and childbearing and then notice the second part of, of the curse upon uh, the woman Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you In, in other words uh, Just because of this fall Her role as a helpmate to her husband doesn't end That's going to continue to be a part of God's calling upon her life. But she has just made her job immeasurably harder because now she must be a helpmeet to a fallen man rather than a perfect man in the Garden of Eden. And she must be a helpmeet to him knowing that she played a part in Adam's fall. And then notice in verse 17 the consequences for Adam. And then Adam, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, because you disobeyed my, my word. Curse is the ground for your sake. And, and so, uh, and now he begins to elaborate on what cursed ground is. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall uh, bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb uh, of the field in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread and so he said now the earth that's been so easy so productive you've just tended it in kind of an easy way now you're going to have to work hard and sweat and fight weeds and all these kinds of things in order for the wor- the, the ground to be productive uh, for you, so it's gonna we're gonna earn a living, we're gonna work hard it's gonna be, you know uh, every season and, and working hard for the next meal and this this kind of thing, and that's the condition uh, of, of the world and so hard labor to keep ourselves fed and clothed and then following all of that till you return to the ground, now death uh, is spoken of, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are and to dust you return I remember seeing a Bumper sticker one time, and uh, it said, "Life is hard, and then you die." The perky fellow driving that uh, little Volvo or whatever it was, or Volkswagen, you know, but. Uh, I hope he gets saved, so he understands it doesn't have to be all like that, but he perfectly encapsulates what it is that has happened to Adam and to Eve as a result of of the fall in the garden. Life is going to be hard, and then at the end of it, you're going to uh, die. Now, things turned out a little different than how the devil said they would. This is a little different than being gods, like God, knowing good and evil. He never mentioned any of this. The, the devil leaves a lot out in, in his temptations. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, which means living or life, because uh, uh, she was the mother of all living. Now, this is more than Adam. Uh, up to this point, she's been the woman, the woman, the woman, the woman. And now Adam names his, gives a name to his wife here, and the name that she, she receives is Eve, and it does mean life or life-giver or living. And, and this isn't just Adam naming his wife. There's something uh, very, very beautiful happening here in this. What Adam is doing is here he is in the middle of this just uh, huge... Indescribable mess that has occurred because of his fall. But he gloms onto the promise in chapter 3, verse 15 of the seed of a woman that will one day crush the devil's head for what it is that he has done. And here is, I mean, the Bible says that a smoking flax concerning Jesus, he will not quench, a bruised reed, he will not break. I mean, this is the kind of circumstance that you could just get swallowed up underneath and not have any ray of hope concerning the future. My God, what in the world have I done here? Is there any hope for us at all or any of these things? I mean, he could just sink at this point. But he gloms onto the promise, the first promise in the Bible. First prophecy in the Bible concerning the Messiah that God would send, who would be born of a virgin. And he looks at it and says, As bad as this is, there's still life on the other side of it. There is still a plan of God for my life on the other side of it. And we're going to move forward in, in living. We can't change what's happened here now. We just can hold on to the promises of God related to the future, and, and, and we're going to trust now in the fact that this seed of the woman is going to come. I love it. I, I never look. I mean, I, I, think of, I think of Adam regularly when I have to weed. Um, and it's always a reminder to me. I remember one time when I was a... Um, in junior college and I was trying to earn some money in the summers doing a lot of different jobs so I could play basketball during the school year and uh, and there was this uh, family that owned a mortuary uh, in, in the town they wouldn't let me do anything there they were very smart but um, they had a beautiful piece of property out there and they had horses and all that kind of stuff and so I said, but can I I do some work or whatever kind of a deal? And They said, yeah. And they wanted me to go out into this field and take out the weeds, take out the stuff that wasn't the good things for the uh, animals to eat. Well, this whole field had been taken over by Italian thistle. All you have to know, all you have to do is just have walked into Italian thistle to understand what that is. I don't know how you kill the stuff, but I, I worked from early in the morning till about noon or whatever, and I said, uh... There's got to be another way to get rid of this thing because I've hardly made a dent. I'd be here for six months trying to knock this thing out, and it would grow right in behind me on the thing, and I basically quit on, on the on the job on that thing. But I think about I think about him, but but I but I I never am bitter. And I don't think probably any of us, are. I don't look and say, oh, that Adam, you know, and Eve, and they sure ripped off, and look at the life that we got, because and all that. I'm very compassionate toward them. because I'm of their family. <laughs> but when we fail, whether it's the first sin or the ten millionth sin that's been introduced into human history, I mean, Adam is so wise here. And he's going to pay a private price for his sin. But there's nothing he can do about it except what he's done, and that is get straightened out by God and trust the situation to the Lord to undo it, work it together for good, and for him to move forward. And not just move forward and survive in life, but to look at the future with faith with expectation and when you and I fail in life and we sin hopefully we don't do it purposely or these kinds of things but even if that has happened and we have confessed our sin to God and we have repented and we're right with God we can look to the future yes we'll have to bear the consequences of our sin God will give us the grace to do that but we can then from that point forward look with faith and anticipation toward the future and that's what he does when he names his wife Eve this thing is going to end in essence he's saying the way that God intends it to end and not the way that the devil intended it to end it's a very very beautiful verse and also then uh, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So those uh, raggedy old fig leaf things that they they had put uh, you know together to cover their nakedness that wasn't uh, going going to work. It was a great effort on their on their part, but this required, and we're going to see the very beginning of the picture of it: the shedding of innocent blood of an animal in order to provide a covering for uh, the sin sinful. And uh, this would be a characteristic of things Until uh, the, the Savior comes Until the seed uh, of the woman And then that would give way Related to, to his, his sacrifice And so God takes and clothes them Tunics of skin And uh, listen, you know In essence there's a, there's a spiritual Obviously a spiritual picture That's being given here But that God is looking out for them physically too and, uh, and he looks at them And he knows what the future is going to be for them They've been in the garden. It's been great. I mean, the land has been productive and no need for clothes or sales or (laughs) malls or any of those kind of things. And life's been really simple. Life's going to get really hard for them now. And fig leaves aren't going to hold up under the life that they're heading into. They're going to need something more substantial than that. And so he provides them with something that is made of animal skins and clothes them. And then the Lord said, God said, Behold, the man has become like uh, one of us to know good and evil. And, and so they did have that knowledge, but there was a lot more to being God than to know good and evil. And the devil didn't tell them that. And now lest he put out his hand and take of the tree of life and lead, eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent uh, Adam out of the garden of Eden uh, to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove out the man, uh, including Eve, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and the flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now we don't know a lot about this tree of life, except that what we can kind of gather from here in the book of Revelation. Somehow, in this tree of life, if a person ate of this tree, they would have everlasting life in whatever condition they ate the tree in. And so, for them to uh, be sinful and and uh, and uh, and now eat of the tree. And then have no ability to die related to uh, that sinful condition, and all, uh, but just to live forever as sinners, and that kind of thing would have been a catastrophe. So God takes it's an act. He, it's an act of mercy that He conducts here, and He blocks that off, cuts them off from being able to partake of the tree. The interesting thing about the tree of of the knowledge of, well the tree of life rather Not the knowledge of good and evil The tree of life is that it makes, it makes a reappearance In the book of Revelation In human history When we are uh, in heaven uh, In the eternal realm uh, You know in, 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 in just the perfection Untainted perfection Of eternity The tree is opened up and made available to us Once again When it's not any uh, danger uh, To us And so um, man is cast out of the Garden of Eden and everything changes in human history at that point. There are three great questions in life. How did we get here? Why are we the way that we are? And is there any hope for us? Those are the three big questions in life. How did we get here? God created us. And created all of this why are we the way that we are that is so messed up the fall of man in the garden of Eden that's the explanation For the condition of man, the wars, the rumors of wars, the crime, the fighting, the selfishness, the pride, the rebellion against God, all the sin that we see. That's the explanation for it. Why is man the way that he is, the fall in the Garden of Eden? And then the third question, which for a lot of us, our sanity hinges on it. Is there any hope for us in the condition that we're in? Genesis chapter 3 says, yes, there is, but that hope is found only in one place, in the seed of the woman. There is hope, but it is only found in him. And I'm not a big wise owl or anything like this. I'm just a normal person trying to make my way through life here on planet Earth. And I like to read and I like to be exposed to learning and a lot of different things and on. I've read a lot of different things, heard a lot of different things in the course of my life. A lot of philosophies, a lot of ideas, religious concepts, all these kind of things. And there is nothing for me that so explains the world that I live in and is so satisfying to my intellect and to my heart and to my spirit then Genesis chapters 1 through 3 and the explanation of where we came from, where all of this came from, how we got here, why we are so messed up and we are so messed up, and where the hope is found. No one can make any sense of this world or life apart from those three chapters. But knowing those three chapters, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka ka chunk Everything falls into place. Why? Because the maker, the one who was there, is the one that is telling us the truth about our history. And and so all of it makes sense. What, where would this world be without the promise of the seed of that woman? What if there was no Genesis 1 through 3? What if there was no Jesus in the world? Man. Where would we go? And what would be the use? What would be the purpose of all of it? I this place would really be crazy. I'm so thankful tonight for the seat of the woman seat of a woman came into this world and willing to endure whatever cost to himself in order to crush the devil's head for me that I might not be under his authority He wouldn't have any more dominion over me and over us as we turn to him these symbols, we're going to partake of communion here in just a moment, and the bread as we pass that out. Hold on to it when we pass it out, and, uh, and, and then we'll pray together as we partake of it. And then the cup is, so that's, the bread is a symbol of his body, and, and the cup is a symbol of his blood, the, the grape juice representing uh, his, his blood. And just think about our, our Savior uh, tonight. How wonderful life is because of him, the hope that we have because of him. I would like us, as, we, as the bread is passed out, and as we take in it, as the worship team leads us in worship related to the bread and as we meditate upon his body, I think it's good for us to confess tonight in the light of Genesis chapter 3 and the devices of the enemy to be able to say to God tonight just to confess, Lord, I know I'm not missing out on any good thing in life by walking with you